This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have Kristen Seymour in the uh, studio. How you doing today, Kristen? Great. Good. It's Thanks good to have me. you here. Thanks for having me. So uh, for our listeners, I, I jokingly say sometimes that I have ADD, and uh, today uh, we're with Kristen, who actually has ADHD, and so if there's a squirrel that runs through here, we may there's, <laughs> there's no telling where this show is going to go today. So, But thanks for being here. Uh, looking forward to sharing your story today and uh, hearing your message. But uh, you know, so I know your story, but our listeners do not. So why don't you tell us? And, and then before I before we go there, uh, thank Amy Katsikas at Pure One Eleven for uh, introducing us yes. and uh, getting you in here today. So yes. thanks to her. But, thanks, Amy. Uh, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story and what's made you the woman you are today? Um, well, basically, I um, the only reason I wrote this I wrote a book based on my journey with undiagnosed ADHD because there's such a bad stigma out there associated with the diagnosis. And I think it can actually be your biggest asset. So um, my story is that since I was five years old, I've always wanted to be a nurse. There was no question in my mind I was going to be Florence Nightingale as a nurse at Barnes Jewish Hospital. So I knew I was going to work at Barnes and be a nurse. However, I struggled terribly in school. I hated school. I Most kids don't like school, but I really loathe school. And um, I had a tutor in every single subject except for PE and art. I nearly flunked out of high school like two or three times. Um, really, really struggled. And But I, all along, I knew I wanted to be a nurse and love taking care of people. And I was always very empathetic and compassionate. And no one knew it was wrong with me, quote, quote, wrong. They thought learning disability, dyslexia, something had me tested. Everything was fine. In fact, I had a very high IQ and no one could figure it out. Keep in mind, this is in the 80s. No one really knew what ADHD was. Current research was being performed by Dr. Hollowell and others um, on the topic. So long story, long story, I kept this dream alive. I volunteered. I was a candy striper. I'd work in nursing homes. I'd volunteer all the time at the crisis nursery in St. Louis. I always wanted to care for people and be a nurse. But sadly, I was like, I'm never going to do it because I'm not smart enough. So against my parents' wishes, I went to KU and flunked right out. And that was the real time when they were like, okay, the IQ is there, the impulsive behavior, the, the things I was doing were not adding up with my um, desire to be a nurse, and I was, actually could not get out of my own way. And so most students would withdraw from school. I just didn't care enough and was so into partying, I just flunked right out. So I came back and went to Merrimack and my father said, you're going to pay me back that tuition while we figure out what's really going on with you. So I worked three jobs to pay him back around $8,000 to that year that I kind of blew off at KU. 
Right, which I, is a big deal because your dad was successful or is successful, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, to, to, to make you pay that back is kind of like probably an aha moment of what's going on, right? Bingo. And um, as you and I were discussing earlier, Brett, um, when people take accountability for their actions, you develop an even deeper hunger to be successful. And so I worked three jobs. I worked at Casa Gallardo Grill as a hostess, babysitting. I worked at this Golden Tans tanning spa, God forbid. And then I also worked at Flipping Burgers at this cafeteria in um, Clayton, across from my dad's office. Well, and attended Merrimack full time. Well, during this fall that all this was happening, I was evaluated by a team of physicians, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a neurologist, and a pediatrician, all together with my parents who were loving and not going to quit on me. And they finally discovered I was a textbook case of ADHD. High IQ, pleaser, motivated, but could not harness the energy in the right way. Hmm. So, literally, without exaggeration, they put me on Ritalin, um, sustained release, 20 milligrams, and I am not exaggerating when I tell you the fog lifted, literally. I could not, the clarity that came that 24 hours of taking that medicine was unbelievable. So it happened that quickly. Yeah. And if someone truly has ADHD, and today it's both inattentive and hyperactive ADD is called ADHD, just a little caveat. So if somebody truly has it, one of the diagnostic processes is to give them caffeine or a stimulant. Because if they truly have it, it stimulates that dopamine in their brain and enhances their ability to focus almost immediately. So you're saying you should give them caffeine is Mm -hmm. what you're saying. If they have it. Because ironically, in college, when I flunked, before I flunked out, I drank a Diet Mountain Dew every night to go to bed. So the opposite of what anybody would think. Exactly. So when I told the neurologist that, he was fascinated. And he goes, this is very consistent with the research we're seeing. And keep in mind, this is 1991 when I was diagnosed, 92, right there at the cusp of that new year, school year. And um, he said, well, did Diet Mountain Dew, was it effective in helping you sleep? And I said, it put me to bed every night. I'd have a Snickers and a Diet Mountain Dew. (laughs) And he goes... There's the freshman 15 answer. <laughs> and, um, and it was helpful to see that that helped me calm down. So the Ritalin um, completely transformed my clarity. I realized the boy I was dating was a total loser. Um, the clarity socially, professionally, academically was just, it was, it was unbelievable. People don't understand it until they've lived like that. Well, that's a big deal. It's a big deal to have something happen that fast. So then that happens and then you decided to get back on the track and follow this dream and be a nurse. Right, right. So at this that. point, at this point of working the three jobs and going to Merrimack, I really was depressed. I felt like I had no friends. I was, my parents had lost their trust in me. I have fallen off track of school. I was never going to do anything with my life. I was just miserable and really depressed. My parents had me see a counselor and things like that, but I was just not feeling the self-love. Self-love is very important. So tell me about that. Why is that so important? Um, well, self-love is different than self-confidence. It's not, it's not, it's, it's very different than self-esteem. Self-love is doing something that you love that enhances your self-worth and loving yourself back. And there's a a psychologist in New York who did this that she calls it self-love. And when you do things you enjoy, volunteering, pursuing my nursing degree, 
I started to feel like self-love again. I started to feel like I'm okay. I'm okay. And it's not confidence or it's, it's, it's separate from confidence because confidence is like, you know, you're good. You get a good baseball player. He's confident. He owns it already. Self-love is the development of getting there. You need to start to love yourself. So how would you do that? Sorry to interrupt, but how would you do that? So what's that process look like? That process for me and this time was unwavering going to school every day on time for class. I'm going to develop the cell. I'm going to show my, I'm worth it. And I would get up every day and walk and then, you know, kind of get yourself decrease anxiety, go focus on school. Then I'd go to work and I just started building this love of myself, like of worth and value. And then I was, I'd start to, I started to feel better about me because I, I did not like myself at the time. I flunked out. My parents didn't trust me. I stole their car. You know, I was pulled up by police officers in a helicopter at KU. I mean, I was a mess. And so to, you really start to not like yourself. And then you start to build up, hey, I am okay. So that's what I started to develop self-love again. And then I started volunteering at the nursing home again, too, on the weekends. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, this is who I love. So this the key like, to that is finding your passions and exactly. doing those passions. Because I think, you know, when exactly. I talk to a lot of successful people and even people that have been on the podcast and other people in our world, it's amazing how many successful people deal with the, the ADD, I'm using air quotes, or the anxiety or the stress. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's finding a way to deal with that stuff. Exactly. And we're living in a world that... Everybody is driven to distraction. The cell phones, the iPads, the TVs, the social media, the tweets, the twits, the, all this stuff. I can't even keep up half the time. That sometimes it's nice to be unplugged because, you know, everybody gets so distracted. You know, you go to get something out of the kitchen, but you see your phone ding. And then you're like, God, I'm so ADD, you know. But the key thing about the ADD, and with my case, is somebody has to have six or more symptoms lasting more than six months at home or in school that are de- causing defeat. So I was constantly feeling defeated in school, constantly feeling defeated with my friends. I would wear them out with impulsive antics and behaviors. So I had the classic symptoms and for more than six months that were in my way. And um, that's, I think, why people need to get a good, accurate diagnosis. I think people are quick to diagnose this. I think it's over-medicated. Children are over-medicated. Um, but anyway, it, back to mine. In my case, I was able to go and um, see this neurologist every six months um, about the medication and uh, behavioral therapy. Then I got a 4-0 at Merrimack. I mean, biology, chemistry, statistics, everything. And then I, my dad and my mom said, if you... If you can live in an apartment, because I was living at their house at the 10 o'clock curfew, driving the station wagon, <laughs> um, he goes, if you can do this in an apartment um, ne- near our house for another semester, we'll pay for you to go, we'll help you get your you know, bachelor's of science and nursing degree at a good school. I'm like, really? So I did that, you know, was able to live in the apartment and be responsible and pay my rent. And, you know, they were slowly helping me build this self-love yeah. up. Long story, long story, I go, I get into Valparaiso University and I receive my bachelor's of science in nursing, the four-year degree on time. So that means I went to school year round, full time to catch up for that year I blew off and screwed up. And no one today knows I went to Merrimack. I think it's great I went to Merrimack. It's all about success and making your dream happen. Then we get to, we get to Valparaiso and my dad goes to Walmart 
and he buys me a teal Schwinn bike. And I was like, what is this? He's like, you will not have a car. We, you blew that opportunity before. You will ride a bike to class. You I will love walk. The tough love. <laughs> so exa- he had a nice car and he has a little sports car. He goes, you ride, he goes, you drive that sports car home to their dorm. I'm going to ride the bike down the highway from Walmart to the dorm. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was looking for every excuse right. not to ride that stupid <laughs> bike. Right. And so I drove the car. He was right behind me in tow, driving the bike back to the dorm. And he, and you know, it's kind of emotional, but he, he looked at me and he said, you know, we know you can do this. You finally know you can do this. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, whatever, go get them or whatever he yeah. said. We love you. You're going to do great. So I'm like, God, they now believe in me too. So graduated on time, you know, top of my class. And then I got a full ride after working for a couple of years, full scholarship grant, if you will, to Purdue University and trained at University of Chicago and heart transplants. And I've always loved cardiology. And so Barnes had an opening, Barnes Jewish Hospital in 1999. And my husband said, well, gosh, you know, you've always wanted to work there. And he was trading in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, doing just fine. And he said, why don't we, you know, let's move. And so I got the job and we moved back to St. Louis. And I, you know, I'll never forget the pride of pulling up at Barnes as, you know, an advanced practice nurse with, um, you know, my master's at this hospital I wanted to be at since I had my tonsils out. So it's kind of a neat story of hitting rock bottom and getting better and believing in yourself and, yeah. believe, and your parents believing in you. And no matter how old you get, or how dysfunctional families can be, everybody still wants their parents' approval and love. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's important because sometimes people want to quit on themselves, but other people around you will rally. Right. I think it's so important, too, that you stated, and, and you've heard a lot of people on this show say this, and I'm a believer in this, but you had the vision in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so you had the end result. It's not where you start, it's where you finish, right? So mm-hmm. obviously your start wasn't as great as what you would want, maybe, <laughs> looking back. But it is what it is, right? And it's right. where you finish and you dedicated your life. So I think that's a good place to segue into the circuit of success. And as you have mm-hmm. the diagram there in front of you, you know, that top left is attitude, mm-hmm. right? And so when you think of the word attitude and you saw that on the circuit of success, what comes to mind for you? Positive. I have to, I mean, you, as you and I were discussing, you have the choice. 90% of what happens in life you can't control, right. but you can control your, the 90% is how you react yeah. and respond. And I think one of you, you've said that before. Yeah. Well, it's the opening it's so to the true. podcast, right? Is oh, right. 90% it's, of what you do is what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I could have, when I was making bad choices and taking the car to go, you know, when I wasn't supposed to do Iowa to a fraternity party and got pulled over, I could have made a different decision that day. But obviously the, you know, I had other things going on in my mind. Um, Attitudes, everything. Um, And people with a positive attitude live longer or happier, have less wrinkles. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's positive. You have the choice every day. Yep. So then the rejection side comes in, right? So that's the fence there that, uh, that tries to let success get out, but the rejection is there. So the beliefs are the things that help you overcome the rejection, right? So what were those, those core things that you believed in back when you were having struggles um, to battle through? I would, that's a good question. I would say, first and foremost, my faith in God never went away. I totally knew I would pray to him and say, after I would pray to him and say, make me smart, I would say, 
if you really believe, and I believe that I want to be a nurse, I know you'll help me get the tools to be there. I believe, I, be, I would pray all the time, and I would visit Carmelite Monastery often off, Carmel, off Clayton Road in St. Louis since I was young, ride my bike there. Wow. And I love, I would believe, it. and I quote the Bible in my book, actually. So I believed in, my faith is what got me through. And then second to that, I believed that my siblings and my parents loved me immensely. And I believed in myself. I knew after we knew, I think it was um, Viktor Frankl um, said, when you know your why, you can do anyhow. And when we knew what was going on, it was such a relief to know I wasn't stupid, that this IQ of 130-something up there is able to perform. And you know, there was a reason for the madness, if you will. And then to be able to overcome that is, is pretty cool. That's a big deal. So then you look at your activities. What were the things that you had to do? And let's even go on now. So now you're successful. You're, you're living your dream job. And, and just before we started recording, just hearing your passion about the patients yeah. that you serve and, and those things, because you got to have that, right? It's not right. about the money. It's not no. about all the stuff. It's about having passion for what you do. So what are your activities today that make you successful? Because I'm assuming the ADHD is still there, right? You still have the Profound. struggles. You still have the battles every day. But mm-hmm. what do you do every single day to stay focused? To be honest, um, for the last one year, I have been committing myself. I, I every Five days a week, I go to this bar three class. And people think I'm crazy, but I, I'm not. I swear by this class. It's like bar a, three. Yes. Okay. And the reason I like it, there, it's, it's. You, I leave my cell phone out of the room, and the, I, I'm on call 24/7 pretty much for bringing heart and vascular patients in. But I take that hour for me. The, the calls will go to my colleague. Um, that hour is all about um, you. You sweat. You work out. You've an incredible workout. And but every 10 minutes, you change what you're doing. So it's ideal for someone with a short attention span. It's ideal for someone who dreads monotony. And it's happy. It's a happy place. And um, I go um, at five days a week. And that has been my new thing for the last year, and I've been the most balanced from that. Secondly, I make time for my family. When I feel like I'm about to lose my mind with the calls, there was one day I had 17 calls from you know 17 different physicians on top of what I do at the hospital. And I, the next day, I literally told my colleagues, my boss, I'm like, you know, I need to just take a day. And I'll either take a vacation day or take time back. And I go get a pedicure with my children and prioritize because there's a barometer, if you will, or like a scale in life. And when I feel like I'm tilting one way too much, I always bring it back in check, whether it's family or work. So I feel like if I'm not at work enough, I, I'm like, you know, Jim, I need to go in on Saturday. Always keep things in check. Just stop what you're doing and just keep it all in check because you can get lost in working too much. Yeah, Doug Ullman, he had a really good comment, um, if you haven't listened to it, but talked about put a pie chart of how you want to spend your time versus, and then, you know, log how you actually are spending your time. I thought that was fascinating because so many times we're not actually spending our time the way we want to be spending our time. So, Mm -hmm. so then, you know, you got activities, the fence post down there goes over to courage and discipline. Mm -hmm. You love that word discipline. You said before we started recording, what's that word mean to you? I think that if everybody was more disciplined, we would be in such a better place. I think people are very, I, I, I'm very disciplined and regimented. And if, if I need to go to bed at nine or nine 30 every night, I do. Um, and I think that discipline is, will help you achieve any goal. 
And if you're not disciplined, you're, how are you going to get there? Right. You've got to work. Well, and we don't have to share names, but you also had last night a phone call, right? That, that uh, You had to have some discipline last night because oh, you yes. knew you were going to be on the <laughs> podcast today, right? Well, one of my friends, um, she we've not seen each other in a couple of weeks, and she was trying to sweet talk me into going down <laughs> to Washington Avenue to some new cool bar and hang out. And the time to go out, she wanted to do was 8 o'clock. And I'm like, girl, you know I go to bed at, like after the 9 o'clock news. Right. There's no way this is going to happen. I have to be up and on my A-game tomorrow because I have this podcast with Brett, and I wanted to not be tired and not you know, well-rested and not on my A-game. She goes, I totally get you. I'll see you Friday night. Right. I'll come over. Yeah. But you know, it was that kind of thing. And my one, one of my girlfriends who's a physician, um, her name's Rachel, she said, we always love how if we're all out somewhere having fun, if we're like at someone's party and there's like, you know, dancing and craziness at 10 30 or 11, you go home. You're gone. Everybody yeah. else might be up to like one, yep. but I just, I know myself and I know when I can, I'm my, my, everybody has to see a psychiatrist when you have ADHD, you see them um, annually just to kind of, that's recommended. And mine always tells me, he says, Kristen, you are so self-aware and when, um, you know what you can do, you know, I think maybe when you've messed up in your life, then you know what. Not, how not to go back yeah. that way. And the point to the phone call for last night, I think, is to <laughs> impress on our listeners is it's discipline. so many times it is, it is discipline. And in so many times, though, we want to do what in the moment feels good. Right. Yeah. And so that would have felt great. Right. You, go out, you have friends and yeah. have a couple glasses of wine or whatever you do right. and, and and do that. But again, having that vision of what exactly. is the next, what's your next day? It's that pre-planning exactly. of what you got to do. So I think that's important. So yes. last thing, it ultimately leads to the results. And so when you look at your life and the results you're getting now, I mean, what helps you continue to believe in yourself? Um, that's a good question. Um, probably the fact that this little teeny message has helped so many people. It makes me believe in myself even more. Like, I didn't think this was a very big deal, um, the, be disclosing all my struggles. I mean, I'm not saying people have to go out there and air their dirty laundry, but I do think it's good to be real. And when I see these parents going, oh, Johnny has ADHD, but no one can know. We're not telling anyone. Or, oh, don't say that word. That's such a bad word. The negative connotation and stigma is so... It's so unfortunate because if more children were accurately identified through empirical testing and counseling and behavior therapy, they would probably be less anxious and more successful in school and, feel, and have better confidence. And um, so I know that day by day when I'm consulting and helping families now, the reward and the belief in myself is I cannot believe that, that I just connected with a child who felt like no one understood how they thought. Right. Because when you understand that brain and how it's thinking about 15 things and you can relate to someone and there's weird idiosyncrasies that we have, um, I think they're gifts. And I always tell kids, welcome to my club. It's the best club in town. And I think it's going to be your biggest asset. So I think I'm starting to, I used to be embarrassed that I had it. And I would go to my boss and say, you know, I'm on this medicine. Here's my doctor note. And then you have to get your prescription filled every 30 days. It's not fun. It's not something you want to broadcast to the world. Yeah. But when you see all the negative stuff out there, it's. I think it's high time that this came out. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think just being open and uh, you know, transparency leads to intimacy, and I mm -hmm. think that's a big deal for people. Mm -hmm. So, and I think hopefully for our listeners that are driving around or working out and they they don't deal with this or struggle with this stuff. 
I think the message is clear though. You're still, it's about vision. It's about discipline. It's mm -hmm. about attitude, right? Mm -hmm. All these things mm -hmm. are the same. So I hope that they're still getting that, uh, that there's a lot to it. So what would you tell the Kristen of 10 years ago? Right. What, what advice it's so would you funny give? you asked that because I told my colleague yesterday, if I knew what I know now, 20, 10, 20 years ago, it would be so different. I mean, I still would be married to Jim. I would still have the girls, you know, I, I everything that my, my complete life. But if I knew, A, I had this diagnosis, I think my path would have been a lot easier and less cumbersome. But I probably would have told her 10 years ago, um, don't be so hard on yourself. Be gentle with yourself. I mean, everybody's got a story. Everybody has a silent battle. Everybody has a journey. And just chill, because I was such a perfectionist about 10 years ago. And you're right. Everybody's got something, right? Everybody. You said earlier before we started recording, I remember how you said it. I'll probably butcher it. But you said the perfect life is the perfect lie. Good. Right? And you got so, it. And so... I think that's totally right. And it I, is. And, you know, it just cracks me up because I live in a nice um, suburb in St. Louis. And I did, an, I did an, um, an interview for one of our papers. And she said, does it give you pause? The, the woman interviewed me. She said, does it, did it give you pause that your children might read this book? I'm like, oh, they already have. Right. Cover to cover. They think <laughs> right. it's hysterical. Right. They think it's sad at times. Sure. But they think it's funny that I slapped one one shoe across the face. You know, it's I actually found one one shoe who I slapped across the face who is now in L.A. working at Pixar Studios oh, to apologize wow. to her. <laughs> but, you know, I'm very honest in the book. And I said to this interviewer, I said, you know, it's funny. I actually think it's kind of refreshing that... Ledoux Pharmacy, for example, wants to put my book on the shelf and consign it without charging me a shelving fee because he loves the message so much. Because mm. I'm donating 100% of the book to the special school district. People are all in your corner. And I said, no, it doesn't give me pause. <clears throat> I think it's refreshing when people are honest. Yeah. And I think I'm one of the only working mothers in my suburb as well. And I think it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's one thing that you find to be true that if other people are sitting in here right now, they would maybe disagree with you? Mm, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> one thing that I think is true that they would disagree with me, yeah. that you can get what you want if you work hard enough. Yeah. Nothing will stop. Right. And my, um, I probably shouldn't even share this, but I, um, I'm going to Washington, D.C. in New York um, in August to meet with the president and CEO of a huge ADHD organization. And... Um, I got, I had been working on this for a year and this person keeps blowing me off. And, you know, finally I, I, I wrote an email and I said, you know, I would welcome the opportunity to meet with you. I'm going to be in Washington, DC on August 9th or whatever, I told the dates, would love to come see you, bring you my book and chat further how we can use your platform to help more families. Because I'm giving the proceeds of the book, this is not a self-promoting adventure. Immediate response. Looking forward to it. How is 11 o'clock? Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I've, 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 I've written you a million emails. I've said, right. when can we talk? When can we meet? No, I'm flying. And I booked right. my flight. And my husband was like, you have just, there is no fear. Right. And I have a bracelet that says fearless warrior. Yeah. And I'm like, but it's not arrogance. Right. I was no. worried she was going to shoot me down. Yep. And I told you what I did with that email right. impulsively had to go fall on the sword with something else. Yeah, exactly. I mean... We won't you know. talk about that. 
well, you have yeah. to be real. And I think it's a big deal because, I mean, especially what you're saying, it's not a self-promotion. You're not making money in no. this, right? No, And, and so it's, it's the same thing with this, right? My you're not either, this yeah. This is not a Brett's making help money. People. This is a give back. And I think with you writing this book and giving 100% of the 100. proceeds... <laughs> to the St. Louis School District. That's special big, school. Special school Yeah, district. that's okay. Yeah, yeah. special school. Uh, and my biggest following, the most people who've read it, are the royalties coming from South Africa and London. Wow. The the British pound. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. And they just go right into that. So the reason I'm donating it there is so the superintendent, Mr. Bohan, Dr. Bohannon, and I met. And what we're going to do is it will go to the district teachers and therapists to decide which student might need counseling or empirical testing. Um, I don't decide that. He doesn't. And the board sure won't know. So it's not going to go to the foundation. It's going to go to the district. I like it. Well, it's a great organization. My wife worked in the special school district for years uh, as a speech pathologist. And so you see those kids. I remember going to, uh, actually went to a birthday party with an ADHD kid that she had and uh, just... What an incredible family. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so you're doing great work. So Thanks. we all appreciate that. All right. So now let's talk about fear. You mentioned the word fear just a little bit ago. and Maybe mm-hmm. it was a fear around that email. But, you know, I, we ask everybody on the show, right? We all build fears up in our mind. And they're this big, massive thing, right? We're going to mm-hmm. fail. We're going to just fall flat on our face. And and in some point, the KU thing, you did, right? But mm-hmm. you got back up. Mm-hmm. And so how many of the fears that you've put in your mind have actually become true to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be mm, that's a good one too um i would say i used to fear everything and i would fear everything i fear rejection people not liking me before all this diagnosis came out and i understood myself and started to love myself again but now everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear mm-hmm. and i think when people know that and they believe that they will be shocked at what they can accomplish you my mom always said you're not growing if you don't have knots in your stomach so when i would think i'm gonna fail boards i'm gonna flunk boards i'm gonna take boards oh my gosh i aced my boards and i couldn't believe i aced my boards and i think when you have knots in your stomach and you're nervous and you're worried and you're fearful you're going to work harder and it drives you more right and so how many of those though actually came true um maybe maybe one but And it's okay. Right. I mean, we lost both of my in-laws, say, 18 months apart. Oh, wow. Um, to brain tumor and pancreatic cancer. That's fear. That was sad. My biggest fear was losing my mother-in-law after losing my 63-year-old father-in-law, who was a Chicago Bear. Oh, nice. He, played, he was in Brian's song and played, oh, yeah. played with um, Gail Sayers and them. Anyway, con- you know, brain tumor. And then we're like, well, he'll, there, there's no way God will take Nancy. Sure enough, eight months later, she has pancreatic cancer. So that was really a fearful time but we had more faith in God than ever because he was trying to send us a message of something. So the, my point is, you know, big fears come up in your mind and some of them come true, but you can always with your faith and your family overcome it. Yeah. That's great advice. So, um, what's your morning routine look like? So when you think of, uh, I think mornings are, are sometimes for people are the hardest, right? Because that's when there's more anxiety, there's less mm-hmm. oxygen to the brain, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Right. And so, What's that morning routine look like for you to get going and be impactful and have a phenomenal day? <laughs> You're probably going to laugh. Um, no, I set my alarm every day and go to that class. And if I have to hire a babysitter, I will. So I just get up and I have the workout clothes out already with the shoes ready. So oh, there's no excuse. Yeah. And then I usually go down and um, make my kids breakfast. I eat. 
and then I go to my workout class. And usually on the way to the class, because it's so early, it's sometimes 6.15 in the morning, sometimes it's 7 or 8. I usually don't have the radio on in the car, and I usually will, like, some days say, you know, thank you for my health. That sounds so corny, but I caught myself doing it yesterday. Just a quick gratitude, and it reminds me of how lucky we are to be healthy. And it sounds so dorky, but it's sometimes the only moment of the day. My phone isn't ringing, my kids aren't yelling, and we're good. So then I usually have a cooler in the back of my car, and it's got ice packs in it. So I get to the workout class, set up my, my spot, and then I run next door to Schnooks, get my grocery shopping done. In about 15 or 20 minutes, I have a list on my phone, put it in the cooler, go to my class, go home, have my little kids honk, honk. They come down, help me unload. I hop in the shower, go to the hospital. <laughs> and then the days I don't work or I work from home, the girls and I usually do something. Veg right. out, watch a movie, go to the zoo, whatever. But there's always something that I do with one of them, whether it. it's a book or last night one of them made dinner with me how old are they 11 and 14 11 girls and 14, yeah. mm-hmm. so you know the, the 11 year old is one with special needs and um they both are perfect and special in my eyes but she's just takes a little bit more time to learn stuff right. but right. yeah and that that's obviously something as well right i mean mm-hmm. that, that a lot of people don't have to deal with that you've got all your stuff and then you've got your daughter's stuff so. right um, it, it's amazing what all you guys are doing so what what risk when you look back on life what risk are you happy you took the risk of going to KU was probably the dumbest decision, but I'm glad I took the risk because I wouldn't have fallen down that hard and I wouldn't have been able to then find the diagnosis. Right. So I probably, that's a good question. I've never had that question asked before. Um, <clears throat> but I would probably say it would be that. Um, and then the uh, that's probably it. It was yeah. that one. Well, because sometimes you're... you're- the best learning is from your biggest failure, right? Yeah. And so oh, for that was sure. exactly what you went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many you get up, right? How many right, times exactly. you get back up. One what's, more what's... time than you fell down. Yeah. Right? That's all you got to do. <laughs> right. So what would you be doing right now if you knew you couldn't fail? If I knew I couldn't fail? You mean if I went to KU and didn't flunk out? No, just right now in life. I mean, mm. is there something in life right now if you said, gosh, I know 100% I will not fail if I do X. What is X? I will not fail. I mean, I guess I like my job. I mean, I, I'm good at that. I think um, I'm good mom and wife. I mean, I don't fail. But if you mean like adventure. Yeah, you know, so here's the point of the question. And I'm glad you're answering it this way. You're struggling with it because the answer what I'm finding on this podcast is I thought I'd have this question. And then everybody would have this awesome answer yeah. about what they would do if they knew they wouldn't yeah. fail. But the most successful people are doing exactly what they want to be doing. Yeah. Right. So I, 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 so if that makes yeah. any sense. It so does. Yeah. No, 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 it does. I would really ideally like to um, devote my time to helping some of these kids and navigating their parents through the testing, the systems, right. what their rights are, because I do feel like no one knows. So that's your passion, right? If uh-huh. I ask, you know, what, if you right could now, spend more time doing something, what would be that this. be? It would be that. Just because, I mean, I, you know, the kids text message. I'm working with a, a lot of young men in high school, probably six right now at private school, public school, they're all 16 to 18, and all of them are smoking pot. And they all have ADHD, and they're telling me where they get their pot. And this one father was like, okay, kind of looked at me like, what's this little blonde Pop-Tart going to tell me that the doctors haven't told us already? And within 30 minutes of meeting with this family, the dad was like, okay, can you like life coach my son? And his son ended up telling me where he gets his pot, why he smokes his pot, why he's not getting a driver's license. This child opened up to me. I found out more information in one hour than I think his parents had known in like four years. Wow. 
But the point is, I'm not better than them. They're amazing. I related to this child. I could say to him, isn't it annoying when you can't shut your brain down at night and you get so overtired, it's like a double-edged sword. And then don't you hate when you feel like you have to cheat on the test because you can't remember the information. And then you're on the medicine, but it jacks you up. You don't want to eat. He's like, yes. Yeah. He was in the club now. He's in the circle. He's texting me pictures of his planner that I gave him, filled out. He's texting me pictures of his prom date. He's texting me. But then I share those pet texts with the parents because the parents need to know what's going on too. Right. And these are minors, and I'm trying to help them. And so the kids know I'm disclosing it to the parent. My point is I'm a liaison. And the children, I mean, this one, the mom wrote me the other day, and she said, you won't believe this, Kristen. He actually took me out to a movie this weekend. We laughed. We had the best time. Our communication is open again. Thank you. I can't help tell you. Thank you. And he stopped smoking dope, by the way. Oh, beautiful. That's good. So how about these stinking fidget spinners? <laughs> Everybody's asking me that. Um, Somebody's making a billion dollars on Someone did make spinners. a billion dollars on that spinner. I've got to figure something out like that. Right. He, um, The spinners, the reason that the fidget devices, whether it's a spinner, a stress ball, slime. Okay, Elmer's oh. glue has gone up in yeah. slime. They've gone up in stock, literally. And they've had a bigger production than they've ever had Elmer's glue with this stupid slime and borax these kids are making. Anyway, all of these tech, these tactile stimuli, stimulus is doing is it's stimulating the children's brains to produce more dopamine. So I call it like movement learning. Um, when you're squeezing a stress ball, when you're stimulating your body through tactiles, anything, you're making your, A, you're concentrating on that, but it's enhancing your ability to concentrate on what the teacher's saying. B, your movement is stimulating the blood and oxygen to your brain. And C, it's stimulating the dopamine in your brain that is thus going to increase the alertness, ability to concentrate, and focus and clarity. That's a fact. Um, If you look at the ADHD brain versus a normal, quote, typically developing brain on a PET scan, you will see that the dopamine levels are lower in a patient with ADHD. So when you do things like smoke dope or have caffeine or have a spinner in your hands and you're stimulating your body and your mind, you're increasing the dopamine production, which increases focus and clarity. Hmm. When you give someone too much sugar, too much stimulant, too much caffeine, then you have a a more hyperactive. It works against them. That's why my minor and my specialty is pharmacology. Got it. That's why my kids' school banned them because I think every kid in the school had them, right? <laughs> right. And then sometimes I do agree with you there. A lot of schools are banning them. There's been a lot of um, press about the spinners because they're they're fascinating to the kids. There are silent ones. I have silent ones. I do not allow my ADHD children to use them. Uh, my girls both have ADHD. One's medicated and one is not. And they, um, they have stress balls, those um, stress devices. They just squeeze those, ball, those like Isoflex things, and that is just as good. Okay, that's good to know. And chewing gum, by the way, is good too. That should be allowed in schools. Very good to know. Uh, how do you define success? Um, it's whatever, like I define success is um, as what I, I guess my life right now. I mean, I'm happy. I've been married 20 years. My, kids are good and my healthy my great family and my job I've been doing my dream job I mean that's what I worked for since I was five you know I wanted to be at Barnes and I feel like I've hit it you know I'm happy and I'm excelling and the the book was starting was supposed to be Oprah Winfrey producers calling my doctor to have me on the show that's how this whole thing even started wow 
And now... Talk to us about the book. I didn't go to the show, by the way. You did I, not? No, because in 1990, I was asked to be on by my doctor. Harpo producers went to my physicians. I had two of the best, as you know. My parents brought the best and asked for their three best cases of train wreck to success. And they called me. Surprise. <laughs> I did not go on the show. It was 1997. And if you look in 98, there was a show, Riddle and Gone Wrong. I would have been exploited. And so my parents and my husband and I decided, nah. So I did not go on the Oprah show. But I, there was talk of that in 97. Um, and I'm glad I did not do that. Right. I wasn't secure in my confidence yet. I'm just now open and, and comfortable. Right. Um, she, The book is only written because parents and pediatricians um, asked me to write something to give parents hope. My, my, my charge, my, my focus, my, my goal was to give parents hope and to get back to the community. This is not, oh, look at me, I'm so great. Right. I can't stand arrogant people. I think it's more of, wow, this is a girl that hit rock bottom and was able to get better and be okay and be happy in her own skin. And um, it's written at a sixth grade reading level, so kids can read it. And it's been endorsed by the Archdiocese in Ohio. It's pretty cool. So. It's neat. Well, it's a good-looking book. I like it. The Thank Fall you. Lifted, uh, Clinician's Victorious Journey with ADHD. Uh-huh. You can find that on Barnes & Nobles. You Amazon. can find it locally in Barnes & Noble here in St. Louis. You can find it on Amazon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's talk about life. It's about experiences, and I'm a big fan of bucket list. And so um, what's, what's on your bucket list? Do you have a bucket list? I do. Um, I get one of them is take my daughter. I want to take her to Bora Bora. She like oh, has yeah. this dream to go there. The one, the fourteen beautiful. year old, and Madeline and Jim do not have a desire to go there. Um, it's a long flight, I, right? Yeah. Correct. And um, but Catherine and I want to do that, and then I also want to take her over to Italy. Those okay. are my couple things I want to do, yeah. and then I do want to do a half marathon. I've gotten close, but never done it. Yeah. And um, that's about it. That's I feel awesome. like I've really, I was thinking about getting my PhD, but I decided I wouldn't really excel anything I'm doing now. I mean, I can already write prescriptions and orders if needed. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't need the title that bad. Right. But other than that, those, I'd love to travel more with my daughter and my husband. And that's about it. I like it. All right. I give you $10 million. Maybe you've heard this question before, but Mm-mm. I give you $10 million. You cannot pay off debt. You okay. cannot invest. Uh, you have to go do something with this 10 I would, million bucks. No question what I would do. All right, let's hear it. I'd probably spend a, a 1 million of it okay. on traveling with my family. That's the one regret or thing I wish, wish I did more of instead of being in school and always helping mm-hmm. others and volunteering all the time. With the rest of it, I would buy a building and and staff it with the best counselors education, testing experts, and, and make it a refuge for these kids to go and relate to others and create a support group because there isn't one locally for families. And the, and that's what I would do. I love it. Love your investing back into people and, and back into making an impact in our world. Mm-hmm. So where can our listeners find more of uh, Kristen Seymour right now on the social media, websites? Uh, obviously, we told yeah. you where you can get the book. Where can we find My more My website, you? you know, it's, it's ADHDfoglifted.com. It's not really that active. My little brother helps me with that website. But my Facebook page has a lot of followers on there, and they're okay. most from um, across the world. And that is just my, uh, I think it's called ADHD awareness. Okay. A, a, a victorious journey or something like that. My publicist helped me with that. And then um, the book, and then if you just go into Google, there's a bunch of articles right. too. Just I did Google some stuff with the blues, and, with yeah. AEDs. Yeah. Just Google Got my it. name. Got it. 
Well, it's been an absolute blast having you here today. Your <laughs> message is amazing. Thanks. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad you got to share it with our listeners. Yeah. And uh, continued success. And to thanks you. for what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 